Hello, 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 and welcome to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. Once again, joined by Drew and myself, Phil. Unfortunately, Kent can't be with us uh, this week. He's had to run off and actually buy himself um, a birthday cake uh, to give to our dear friend Drew, who's just had his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Drew. Thank you, thank you. Yay, you're old now. Right. Yep, that's a great Um, way of getting... (laughs) No... That's mean. How was it, Drew? How was the birthday? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Hang out with the fam bam, I'm hoping. Hanging out with the fam bam. Yeah. Managed to knock back both Guardians of the Galaxy films today. There you go. Yeah, what presents did you get? So obviously you got that. Oh, man, you should be proud. I got underwear. Yeah, look at you, father. I know, right? Such I know. A dad present. Did you get socks as well, or? No, no. I got, I got Marvel undies. I got, um, I got some Everlast shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, I got a, a mini Lego set of the Millennium Falcon from my dear little Mister. Oh, that's I know, nice, right? I know, right? Love so that. Saving, saving that one to build with him next week. Yes. Awesome. Um, what else? Blade Runner. <clears throat> oh, that was my my gift to me. You've always <laughs> got to give. It's isn't it easy to buy yourself a gift? I can't help do it every year. I did it the other day. JB Hi-Fi had a sale, and the special edition of Blade Runner twenty forty nine was sitting there on the JB website, no longer available in stores, and. Boom! I couldn't. I couldn't not. It became yours. It came home with you. It. It did. It arrived today. Yeah. Well done. Fantastic. Um, you know what else was on your birthday? The thirty-first uh, of January, two thousand and eighteen. Justin Timberlake's birthday. Okay, and also some of my friends' mutual birthdays. Um, but no, that's not what I was getting at at all. I was getting at the fact that there was a super moon or a super, super blue blood moon. Yeah, yes, that's what it was. Yes, where where it was a blue moon, which is the second full moon of a of a new calendar year. It was a super moon, so it was an incredibly close moon, um, and it was a blood moon because it was a lunar eclipse that's rare that doesn't happen that happens every so often but not very often uh while i keep talking while i'm looking for the stat i think this is gonna be really slick because i'm gonna sound like i'm just just talking and i know exactly what i'm talking about the fact the fact uh, despite the fact that i'm literally explaining exactly what i'm looking for um but all the while all the while though it's overcast Mm. so of course we've saw none of it so it's a fantastically no, rare event, but we've saw, seen absolutely jack of it. Um, lucky us, too, I think. Typical too rare weather. to see. Mm. Yeah. yeah, typical. Yeah, it's it's so rare, in fact, that no one is seeing it. I have just opened a snap from a a uh, person that we work with, not the one you're probably thinking of. Another one. And, and they've made the same comment that they cannot see the lunar eclipse because it is too cloudy where they are at. Yes. Um, 
multi-cloudy literally wherever anyone is effectively if you're trying to look at this thing it's going to not be visible because you know go stuff yourself because why would anything at all like this allow the world to see it and here to quote this article unfortunately for most australian capital cities however cloud coverage could mean the spectacle might not appear as remarkable as some would hope you mean at all it's not yeah. visible it's not going to work but, but speaking of the term eclipse, this is like a keyword search on Google using the word eclipse. Um, I've seen two solar eclipses in my life, two total solar eclipses and one, you know, half sol- solar eclipse in my time. And they are both absolutely fantastically spectacular and weird and wonderful and bizarre and, um, a must for anyone listening to go and go see because they're phenomenal travel to go see it even i traveled halfway around the world to see one and it was definitely worth it yeah you loved that experience both Mm. times yeah both the one that i saw in cairns in 2012 and the one i saw in nashville tennessee in 2017 um yeah it's the it's the weirdest thing to see the sun in the sky become weak not look like it doesn't feel like sunset at all it does not feel like sunset doesn't feel like oh the sun is just going down or or you know like dawn for that matter doesn't feel like that at all it just feels like you're wearing sunglasses all the time and the sun gets weaker and weaker and you feel the temperature drop it's gradual over a a period of about half an hour but you feel it nonetheless the temperature drop um the sun grow weaker you know, the birds start to freak out a bit. Uh, you start to see stars in the su- in the, the, the day sky. Um, and then you start to see, if you look all the way around you at the horizon, you start to see it start to go orange, almost as if it is sunset, but all the way around. So it's the most bizarre thing to see. And it confuses you and you can't understand what's going on, especially when you look up at the sun at the point when you can, when it's, it's reached totality. And you see... A black spot in the sky and this little diamond ring twinkling around the edge of this black spot and of course you can look at it without your, your protective eyewear on um, once it's in totality and you're seeing almost the god rays blaring out to the horizon but nothing where you are it is just it's dark street lights came on um, birds stopped chirping and your animals got confused it, it, and everyone was confused and everyone just started cheering and almost got a little bit of a, a giddy you know, laugh on because no one knew how to quite react. It's so bizarre and it's still such a primitive thing that we can't make sense of in our minds. It's fantastic. So I suggest anyone go and see one if you can. Yeah, one day. You say that. I hope it happens. You you know that I would like it to happen. Yes, I know. One day. Hmm. One day, far away. One day. Well, there might be one in Australia in a couple of years. I think I think I think there is going to be one to the north of Australia uh, within say five years I believe does that the, mean having does that mean having to go up north oh there's nothing wrong with that I've been up north there's north and then there's north yeah there's there's a different type of person that lives up north either referred to as Queenslander or someone from Northern Territory. We don't talk to the people from Northern Territory very often. They say things like fat with a PH and 
I don't know, weird words. They're a bit strange. I don't think they get out much. Or in fact, I don't think they see many people very often. A bit isolated. Um, yeah, look, I know. But if it's to see something like this, I guess you can mingle at an arm's length with these people. Hmm. I like how you dodged paying out on Queenslanders there. Well, I kind of did. I called them Queenslanders. But that's what they are. Yeah, and it's not a very... Literally everyone else in the world knows not to be a Queenslander. So therefore, I mean, Queenslanders are fine with it because they like to swim in their own filth. But, um... I was just yeah. calling them the Maroons. Yes, cane toads. I always just think of a bogan when I think of a Queenslander. Just some fat guy that just stands around in short shorts, like light, like kind of Victoria bitter beer colored green shorts, satin shorts, <laughs> um, a maroon singlet that's like hugging to his fat crevices and over his breasts and just he's bald and a bit sweaty and he goes, <laughs> Queenslander, <laughs> yeah, go the Maroons, <laughs> Queenslander. <With the laughs> golf like club in one hand and... Yeah, the golf stick in the, one uh, hand. The the slouch hat with the strung on um, uh, cork tops <laughs> around it in the other. And a, a 4X beer can in the other hand and just oh, on its okay. side tipping out, oh, spilling oh. beer all over the place and he looks down and goes, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh, I just lost my beer there. <laughs> that's a shame <laughs> Queenslander yeah because they're just an absolute mess of a human early man we call them <laughs> mm. he don't exist there's a reason Bugs Bunny pronounces more on maroon yeah what a maroon yes yeah. he also says yeah. what's up doc sir what did we get up to in the last week? Uh, what I did, I had a lovely weekend off where I just hung out with the family, celebrated Australia Day, of course, um, with a barbecue, and then a second barbecue the following day. Um, we also, we also, of course, had uh, a very special event happen last Thursday, uh, the day of the podcast release, did we not, Drew? We did indeed. Thank you for getting to the point that I was trying to push there. <laughs> yeah, I knew, but I thought I'd just roll back in time. You were just trying to put in some padding to fill out those extra 20 seconds, weren't you? Well, they're quite critical when we've done like what we always do and not have too much planned. That's true. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're now <laughs> rambling on purpose. Anyway, <laughs> I love our banter. Banter claws. Yes, anyway, uh, we did. We went and saw, uh, or we went along with a dear friend of ours uh, and saw the Titanic exhibition um, we did in indeed. Moore Park, the entertainment quarter in Sydney. And that was terrific, wasn't it, Drew? It was indeed. The trip itself was actually a gift from said dear friend. Yeah. A wonderful Christmas gift that was absolutely worth the few weeks' wait. We had an absolutely incredible time at this place. It was just... So all three of us are very, 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 very interested in the history of Titanic. And it I'm sure for each of us, a lot of it stemmed out of seeing the movie at, at a young age. And it just sparked an interest in the history of this incredible ship and the story behind it that is as large as life as the ship itself was. 
and yeah, I, I don't like, I, I felt very affected by the experience. How about you? I, I, I completely agree. Um, it's great to be able to read such details about it and see such artifacts about it. Um, I think, I think what stood out to me and you're absolutely right. It did stem from seeing the movies as a, as a child. Um, and then I started getting Titanic books, national geographic editions on the Titanic and just researching as much as I possibly could at a time when internet was actually quite limited. Um, and as you get older, you kind of, it just falls into one of the many categories that you're so interested in. And, but to spend so much time now just in a place with so many artifacts and details and, um, even, even seeing a document about, uh, the, the, the sale of, uh, the white star line, star line to JP Morgan and seeing, mm all the, the the signatures from the Ismay family on this piece of paper and just the information about it and the, the you know, the payable amounts each month required uh, to meet the loan or, or the payment. It just, just such little details and, and in some cases, I guess irrelevant, but nonetheless of the time and of the period and somewhere a connection to the Titanic um, and its story and its legacy and its it's it's uh, rumors about it and reason for its sinking and thoughts behind its sinking um, to even uh, there was a section on on the actual iceberg itself and what happened and the actual striking of the iceberg and there were so many up on the wall there were different messages about uh, different ships with their uh, Morse code calls and claims and discussions going on and it's and there was a ship, they're talking about this ship, which which has been well documented about being in between the Californian and the Titanic, just after the Titanic struck the iceberg, that had been on the horizon and could see the Titanic and was the closest ship to the Titanic and didn't respond when the flares were going up and when air distress calls went out. So it's like these thoughts and ideas that, and this wishful thinking that what if it was slightly different? Like it can't be different. This is how it happened and it happened you know over a hundred years ago but the wishful thinking and, and the desperation in, in the mind when you're seeing all this stuff and reading about all this stuff to want it to have gone differently and to have been such a simple difference but nothing can be changed it's it's happened now we can only learn from it and it's it's just it's a bit dire to to look at it but it's yeah fascinating stuff such interesting stuff and and so many details there that were so great to read and be able to read up on I, I haven't read so much in such detail in such a long time mm. I, I always um, I always thought in, in regard to the, the ships that seemed to ignore the call I always just assumed they were the ones that tried to give them the berg warnings and they told them to shut up and, and ignored them yeah like, that's that's true that, that's and, definitely and, and, true and that, that's why they chose not to respond to it they, they just figured out it's it's definitely true, but it's it's in some ways it's due to but, care but to the passengers. But, but, but you're right as well that there's a lot to learn from it, and and there's a lot that I found that I, I always thought whenever Titanic came up in conversation at school, that teachers used to always just brush mm. over the surface of it. They never wanted to focus on it, and and to be fair, a lot of kids in class would just crack jokes and start singing the song from the movie and, and I'm start fine, Jack. quoting the film. And yeah, they, like they they just made fun of it mm. none of them understood the gravity of of the event itself and the effect that it took maritime laws worldwide were changed after 
that tragedy. Yeah, I think and didn't, the- didn't ships have to, by law, were required to have enough life vessels for yep. every yep. person on board? Yep. And the whole reason that Titanic didn't was because they felt that the deck looked too cluttered. Mm. It gets pretty outrageous. It's disgusting. They they were so confident that this ship was unsinkable that they thought they could skimp on the safety in the name of making it look more appealing to the passengers. What what's even even simpler than that for me, which is just phenomenal, is is and obviously this is by far the the main reason why this thing is such a historic tale. It was the largest ship. It was a ship they claimed to be unsinkable, and on its first crossing, it sunk. Like, those three things, are you serious? Why the hell did it happen to be the largest ship, not just the largest ship, the ship they claimed to be unsinkable, and on its first attempt, it proved just how sinkable it was. It did sink, and it killed so many people, and it was such a badly thought-out tale. But, um... You know, I, 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 I mean, I'd, I'd love to know the history of what happened to the Olympic and the Britannic afterwards and sister ships. What what was changed on those ships once the Titanic went down? And how long not, after the Titanic did they... Then... Not much was changed on them. No? Not much. They, they all, like, every ship had to adhere to the new maritime laws. But other than that, they, they really didn't do much. Did the they... White Star Line was still, I think, in a state of shock. They had to deal with the fact that Ismay chose not to go down with the ship. Oh, he copped, he copped crap for that for the rest of his life, though. Oh, He was yeah. a coward. Oh, he was. Mm. He was a disgusting pig. It's, it's an incredible piece of history, and... It's something that they definitely should go into more detail on in schools, that they should educate the future generations about what took place here and and remember that these future generations are the ones that will dictate the future of the world and that these sorts of arrogant, irresponsible decisions should never, ever come up. Look at look at what happened with the Costa Concordia disaster. That in itself should never have happened, especially after the incredible track record that ships had had since the Titanic. Mm. And yet this ridiculous disaster because of one idiot captain. Mm. What was... Just reverting back to the Titanic and actually what we saw there, how interesting was it to read about the captain and all the, the issues that he'd had before... Oh, yeah, he was on a downward spiral for the 18 months before the mm. the Titanic. Mind you, he wasn't on duty at the time that it hit, so not a lot he could have done anyway, nor did the uh, lookout have its um, binoculars that it should have had. But the fact that the captain had had incidents beforehand was on the Olympic when it had its incident with the, the boat that meant that the Titanic became the first to launch instead of the Olympic was part of that whole fiasco that, 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 you know, put the Titanic in this path in the first place and then was on the Titanic when it, when it sunk. Yeah, exactly. As captain. It's just, oh, for God's sake, some white flags or some red, sorry, some red flags should have been up. White some star white line. star line flags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I got confused at when I said that. It's just, oh. 
I find it really deeply frustrating and it was over a hundred years ago and, and it just frustrates the heck out of me. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're, we're, we're standing there and reading all the stuff and it was that, yes, that thought in your mind, like what if they just stopped for the night? What if they just didn't listen to Bruce Ismay and said, let's just stop for the night, wait here and go on. What if they changed their course by a degree? What if they listened to the warning they were getting what if they didn't turn and went straight into the iceberg like people have said they'd have been fine if they'd done that what if all these things what if they found the spe- the, the the binoculars for the the lookout what if all of these things were different then we wouldn't have spectacular quotes like iceberg right ahead smell ice can you bleeding christ um that's it's true we, we wouldn't have all these awesome quotes but but at the same time the world wouldn't have changed for the better for these quite obvious maritime laws. We wouldn't have that today. So in some no. ways, the, the fact that this complete farce and travesty had it, um, it's a positive in some ways. There was a positive from it. But still, the amount of people that were lost and in such circumstances in such a disaster was not, I don't know, I don't know. I wonder if more lives have been saved than lost as a result. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say with hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but at the same time, how do you... You know, technology doesn't get better. The world doesn't roll on and get better without mistakes of the past. No, you're very right, though. And and now the like, the saddest thing is that the ship is sitting there slowly getting eaten away by this new kind of bacteria that has never been found anywhere else on Earth. Mm. That's slowly eating away at the ship, turning it to rusticles, which will eventually just turn into dust. People by twenty by twenty fifty, the ship will be gone. What What's interesting is that people are worried about the fact that this ship is slowly being eaten away, but. You'd have to think that at one point, I mean, they might be eating out like you know some of the the wall joists a little bit faster than something else on the ship. So at one point, something's going to slip and just collapse, and this thing might might still have bits of metal down there until twenty fifty, but the structure of it, the shape of it, might oh, it'll go just very collapse quickly. within the next couple of years. Well, because if they eat the sides out of it a little bit faster than something else, and it's not very strong, and it's got a lot of weight on it still. It's going to fall in on itself. Well, incredibly enough, like, they've already gone through the entire ship and photographed the whole thing, Mm. which is what made our VR experience possible. That was fantastic, despite the fact that I got incredibly dizzy from it and therefore a bit worried about VR in the future. It was phenomenal. I so sick after that. But it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was incredible. So the first half hour of our day was spent sitting down with a VR headset and a controller where we could navigate through the wreck of the ship under the water. We could go into rooms. We could go up and down the hollowed out center that was once the grand staircase. And it would allow you to go from A, B, C, D down to E deck and explore each level of the ship. Mm. And look at the size of the... The first-class cabins were tiny. Remember, tiny people. 
No, I know, which is which is what I asked her at one point. There was a display of a, or a mock-up of a first-class cabin. And there was one bed in there with two pillows on it, but it looked the size of a single bed. And I asked him, is that for one or two people? And he said... It- I'm certain that's for two. So small, though. Yeah. People were smaller. Why? We've had... People just people were smaller back then. It, it it is a weird thing. When James Cameron went to make the movie, he realized because they built they built the sets that the actors were on to scale, and when they built the grand staircase, they built it to scale and realized that not none of their actors could walk down the staircase two abreast because it was just not wide enough. So they then had to extend the size of the staircase and adjust it accordingly to allow for the cast to be able to move up and down it. Which was fantastic to see during that VR experience. Some of the joists left from the grand staircase, not no timber left, mm. but the, the steel beams and everything left from the Titanic. Um, cause yeah, I, especially I, from D to E deck, yeah, there was a lot Yeah, there. there was so much left of it, and to see it, and it didn't look very wide. And I, was, I remember thinking to myself, this is weird, it looks like a, just like a normal flight of stairs. Like single wide. Yeah. You know? The thing that got me was that some of the chandeliers were still intact. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. That, that actually threw me a fair bit, seeing that. And, and seeing some of the rooms and uh, and just the the way, you know, there were suitcases just sitting there still. Yeah. And and wardrobes where there was one room, and I, I don't think I'll ever forget this, there was one room in there, and it had this tiny wardrobe tucked up in the corner, and it was, it was like a cupboard, but it was a miniature wardrobe. And there was just this one piece of the door on the hinge side completely cut out and you you could sort of peek in and see that like the I'm sure that if you open those doors that there was so much more going on in there and yet we couldn't and I liked the idea that there was still that little bit of mystery left in the place mm. but there was so left. much terrifying did did you see did, I don't know where you went in the ship did you see on either the first or second class level um the knocked out wall where you could see all the the bathrooms literally the rooms no, but I- with with a bath in each room and the wall had just knocked out down and you just saw this corridor of hollowed frame of wall and a bathtub in each of these small rooms i didn't know but i saw the room that had the the sink and the toilet in it oh that yeah i saw a couple of those yeah. that was those are the upper decks yeah, and then you, at, at some point that day, you had to make the silliest remark of all. Oh my goodness. I don't know what, uh, what, there were probably many, I don't know which one you're referring to. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Philip, in his infinite wisdom, decided to go, did you know that the pool on the Titanic is still filled with water? Well, it is. I'm not wrong. It's still got water in it, okay? In theory, it was empty for a tiny, tiny bit of time as the ship tilted. Was it, though, or was it far enough forward that it it, it got water back into it before it emptied? 
Like no, if, if you think no, about it, if you think about it, it was square enough that would there have been a little bit before the ship, would there have been a little bit of water left in the triangle part that was below? Like if it's on a, on an angle, is there enough water left in the, the corner of the pool? Still, it was in the it was in the back half of the ship before the split or, or after the split. But we know so, that, it, but it, we know that it didn't tip completely vertical like in the movie. No, yeah, yes, we know that thanks to National Geographic's The Final Word documentary. Mm-hmm. However, even at a forty-five degree angle, the water would have tipped out, and especially when the boat does snap and flip back down, it would have just tossed all the water out before that part started to tilt back up again. Because it what it, I think it hit like seventy degrees by the time it started going down yeah. into the water. The second half, so it's fairly upright. Yeah. yeah. I reckon it it would have lost all its water before flooding again, you know, maybe minutes later. I reckon it would have held on to a little bit of water. Maybe a tiny bit, but for the most part, that pool would have been emptied. Yeah. Well, it's filled back up again. Shows what happens when you put a, a boat in water. Or water in a boat. Yes, that's also true. Um, we also know, for those conspiracy theorists out there, and we've learnt this as a fact, that... Uh, Steel beams... Oh, sorry, icebergs can't melt steel beams. Yes, we, we did, mm. didn't we? So, yeah, cop that, uh, all you conspiracy theorists that may have thought of that, even though you probably wouldn't, but it, it's true. Icebergs can't melt steel beams. So was the Titanic a hoax? We'll never know. Was it an inside government job? Hmm? Never know. Or was it a tax dodge by the White Star Line? Well, that's more did realistic. They- well, yeah, because Olympic and Titanic were in lockdown in the shipyard for the last two weeks before Titanic was taken out at Belfast and taken over to Southampton. Mm. So were they swapped? The rumour goes that they were swapped, that they painted over the names of each ship, that they moved everything across from one ship to the other, and that they let Titanic go as a tax loss. Well, seeing as they, on the new ship. Seeing as they had just copped an enormous whack in the side of the Olympic. Mm, exactly. Having a ship that, that might be technically still, um, with its its structure, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? I can't remember. I can't think of the word. This is annoying with I can't think of the word. It may be compromised. Its, its structural integrity yes. may be compromised. They they think it's better to lose that ship, unfortunately mm. named the Titanic, and have the Olympics still running. I'm so disappointed that, that I mean, of course, t- so much time has passed and therefore the legacy wasn't as great or as important or as interesting as it is maybe by today or, or since the film, I guess. Um, but it's such a shame that the Olympic just went on and then was scrapped. Yeah, it. If only it was kept yeah. like the Queen Mary two or the Queen Mary in uh, Long Beach in the United States. If only the the ship was kept as a relic. Or yeah. do you know if the Britannic is still in the Mediterranean, or was it lifted out and scrapped? I thought it was still there. That'd be fantastic to go to that ship. That would be cool because that would be the Fun Titanic fact. in in now in shallower waters, just with a different interior, a different paint mm. job. Fun fact, Britannic is the second name of that ship. It was originally named Gigantic. It's such a, that's a ridiculous name though, isn't it? I know. I know. Britannic sounds so much better, but it's a hilarious true story. 
But isn't it sad that it's like the pathetic third sibling? No one cares about like the mm. Titanic and the Olympics seem like they're like oh they're the they're the cool siblings. Unfortunately, the you know the the second favorite child died in the Titanic, died first. Then the Olympic went on and on, and it was like yeah, that you're ours. Well done. But the Britannic, everyone's like meh. Well, you became an army ship or a warship, and then you sunk. Yeah, a Red Cross ship. And I didn't know that the rule was you're not supposed to sink. You, like, it's an international rule that even in war, you do not sink a white boat with a red cross on it. Mm. Not that anyone particularly did. It's just that they hit a landmine and sunk. Yep. Yeah. Mm, to Titanic. It's such an interesting story. And I'm sorry that we keep talking about it. But if you don't care about it, well, sorry. Just don't listen. This is what passion is. Yes. We we have passion for this piece of history. Yeah. Um I guess well that's good. We'll we'll sum it up there, I'll wrap it up there. If you want to talk about or hear more about it, feel free to comment on the Facebook page. Battle. No one will. <laughs> Make sure you they? do visit the Facebook page because we're gonna put up a new uh steering team photo that we took at the exhibition. So if you want to check that out, you're gonna to have to go to the Facebook page and see. Yep. Get yeah, maybe the first ever visitor. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, it's a bit of a ghost town. Pretty sure, there. pretty sure that we do have one person frequenting the Facebook page. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's, but let's it's one of your siblings. So yeah, yes, that is true. Dear yeah. Sophia, uh, mm-hmm. let's move it on though to another tragic tale. Well, not tragic tale, more just sad story. Uh, this week on Sunday or Monday? Sunday. Sunday. And Sunday is Australian time. Sunday night Australian time. Uh, That uh, the big, big flat pack uh, warehouse company, Ikea, had their founder, Ingvar Kamprad, who is the IK in Ikea, by the way, um, Mm. passed away uh, at 91 years old. Same age as my grandfather was when he passed away. Um which is a fantastic innings. Uh, but yeah, he passed away and what an entrepreneur he was. Indeed. You said innings. I was going to say he had a good innings, but yeah. Sorry. It's okay. No. Um, yeah. Very tragic. Um, very tragic news there. I mean, it's, it's not like it really came out of the blue as, as you said, he was 91, but what a, what a loss, such a pioneer and, and a creative force in this world to have come up with a company like that and to be able to have such a profound effect on the way we look at furniture around the world, the, the way we approach these sorts of things to, you know, I, other companies do flat pack furniture these days. And, you know, we, we go to, you know, we go to Kmart or we go to the reject shop or even Bunnings and, and we get flat packed furniture, but Ikea were the ones that first did it. It all stemmed from them. And not only that though, but you, you find that, yeah, when, when you're assembling a piece of flat pack furniture from elsewhere, it, it's not meant to be flat packed. It's just that someone's just made it in a way that, okay, sure. Look, let's just fit into a box like this. Therefore you do it yourself. Whereas because yeah. Ikea kind of pioneered it, they've kind of got the, 
and they've got it in a, in a way that it's designed to be put together yourself and it's supposed to come in a piece a b c that kind of thing Indeed. whereas, whereas um, elsewhere it just kind of feels like it's just literally a disassembled thing and it just feels a bit like uh why the hell am i assembling this part this part shouldn't be for me to assemble Indeed, and from what I read about him, that was one of the that was one of the key goals that he had for all the products. There were there were some very interesting things about him that popped up though. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, apparently, apparently he used to nick the salt sachets from from an IKEA store when he'd go in there. <laughs> well, one of my favorite stories I I read about this one is um, that uh, just after the Vietnam War, he you know, went with a lot of uh, people and um businesses and everything were getting out of vietnam because there was no longer any money by by businesses i mean like uh, munitions businesses were no longer in vietnam because there was no no one to supply the munitions to the the ammo and guns and things like that so um ingvar instead got on the first flight to vietnam after the war flew straight there uh and went and bought all the munitions factories that he possibly could have uh, and then decided to hire all the staff back and give everyone a job again because so many people were put out of work after the war uh, mm. and change all the moldings to make pots, pots and pans for Ikea. So he, he put a lot of people back into work at a time when the country suddenly had this massive vacuum um, just after the war. So that was, that's fantastic. That was a really, I like that story. That's a great story. Very interesting, um, but yeah, the the IKEA is interesting. It's got this huge like world. It's a huge world. And I don't mean that it is all over the world. I mean that it is. There's so much depth to it. Like even if you go on the Wikipedia page, there's so much depth to the different parts of what it is, um, how it's run, um, how the what is it the concept is. Mm. It's almost like that's this. That he's written it in such a way, or he's formed it in such a way, where even without him now, um, apparently he's been off the board since like 1988 or something like that. But even without him there, in the, like alive anymore, the company cannot fail and cannot change from what this concept is. So it doesn't matter what people are there; it's just different influences on how the concept's pushed. But the concept of what the store and how it works is always there. Mm. It's a fantastically well thought out process. Indeed, like many good businesses are. Mm. And 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 I mean, yeah. You know, Walt Disney had very similar aspirations for the Walt Disney Company mm-hmm. when he and his brother started it, and and they've kept the core integrity of the company's purpose intact over all these decades even though there is no longer a Disney running the company. They've managed to preserve the integrity of what the company means to this world and what they do. And IKEA has very much functioned in in a similar manner, and I have no doubt they will continue to. Yeah, well, well absolutely. Um, very, very true. Yeah, it's a, it, it, how old was he when he started it? Uh, he had the idea at 15, he started the company at 17. And it was like matchboxes, just selling matches and pens and like stuff yeah. like that to start with. And then he made a deal with a local furniture builder and started selling his chairs and stuff like that at different prices. And then he built it to other 
uh, items and then you started having this catalog come out and then he started he decided to have the showroom or the store itself and then one of his designers uh, decided to take the legs off their table and then he thought that's how we'll sell it we'll select that so it's easier we can make more pack more into the store and save a bit of cost because people have to assemble it themselves and on they went and it just grew and grew and grew and there's so many different things and it does almost everything it does the whole house you can eat there you can feed yourself at home with them like it does everything yeah it's incredible it's a oh. but but then also on top of that it's, it's an this, amazing concept this there's this there's this charity aspect where they and I don't just mean in charity in terms of people. There's also this environmental cha- uh, charity where the fact that the buildings have solar panels on the roof. They own wind farms. Um, I think they own like the second largest wind farm in Europe or something like that. Um, solar plants or fields all over the world. Um, they own their entire supply chain. So therefore they can they can make sure that they're foresting in a safe and um environmental way i guess i don't know if that's a term a sustainable way is the word i'm looking for there um logging in a sustainable way um they their furniture items are sustainable uh the way that they're produced the fact that they're using less timber in like those on that tv show mega factories they showed they were showing ikea once they were showing those uh tables those little ten dollar uh the uh colored tables lac tables Yep. Um, and they had in them uh, honeycomb cardboard because it's as strong as solid timber when standing up. You can't break it like, just like you can't break timber. But you're saving on so much timber because of the amount of air space in there. That's actually the strength. So there's so many different ways that they're saving on material and costs by that way, which is cheaper for them because it's less material cost. Um and then, of course, there's the charity side, what they do for um, UNICEF and Save the Children. Um, they've got these little uh, tents that they send over to, to Africa and parts of Africa, these almost flat pack tents uh, to live in and that can provide light and fresh water to people and just the money that they give out as well. It's phenomenal. Sounds like you've really done your research. Yes. Well, because we're going to talk about it, and I have a Wikipedia page, and also just... Yeah, I I just figured you had the Wikipedia page going again. (laughs) No, not now. Not now. No, no, this is off the top of my head. I know this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess somehow it's been ingrained in my mind, Drew. I see. Mm. I see your knowledge is not lacking, is it? (laughs) Go Fingal Mamut, okay? (laughs) 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 yeah oh very punny yeah brilliant but yes um uh, quite a quite a tragedy but rest in peace Ingvar Kamprad your legacy will no doubt live on Mm. Ikea is now just ear that's kind of sad yeah well because the Ikea is gone yes well, it'll never be truly gone. No, 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 exactly. Yes. His his legacy will always live on, and so will his name in the IK of Ikea. Unlike, Ikea. The, unlike the McDonald brothers who... Um, no, who were forced out. Yeah. <laughs> Horribly forced out by a milkshake salesman. But what a story that is, though, as well. 
Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, poor poor uh, Ron Swanson was forced out of his company by um Michael by Keaton. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice himself. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And nothing happened. No. Exactly. But it's interesting that McDonald's has become the world's largest real estate business. Mm. Indeed. I, I still, I understand it, but I, at the same time, I don't understand it at all. It. Do, do you understand the concept from which it was based? What do you mean? The idea that because they own the land, they have the right to dictate what happens on said land. So, no, I don't understand that. Okay, so he like started- I, I get I get what you mean, but I don't understand yeah. how that relates to McDonald's. So I, I I know for a fact you watched the founder, and that was yeah. what gave you a, a lot of the insight into the story of what sure. happened. So, um, what was his name? Ray Kroc bought in. He bought up all the land that the restaurants were sitting on, and by doing so, he gained control because whoever owned the land that the restaurant was on had a say in what actually happened on that spot of land. I see. So because the McDonald brothers had this contract in place, which meant that they, uh, which prevented um, so many of his ideas from happening and they really quite sternly dictated the way the business would operate. Yeah. However, he bypassed that because that's what I couldn't work out how the hell he bypassed that contract. So he bypassed it by being the landowner and therefore negating the contract. Exactly. I see. So I see, of course, that makes complete sense. So therefore, that's what McDonald's continues to do today. And would that contract still be in existence and operate? Or would it now be null and void as he is the owner of the business? I'm not sure because, what, Ray Kroc passed away some time ago, Mm. but... I don't know where that leaves the company at. I'm not actually sure how how the rest of it all functions anymore. But the company has acknowledged how much they have to grow and change. I mean, look at look at the way it functions now. Look at the way it operates. Um, the fact that they have this table service now. Mm. That they've got the screens up next to the booth where you can order. The fact that you can walk in and order off the automated screens anyway. In fact, you can have um, your order pre-ordered by the time you get there. Yeah, and and uh, and the fact that they're trying to have the the dining room concept and the upper class uh, section of each restaurant. I remember being on my opinions, you know, you know, years ago, doing the three hour survey for Maccas where they showed the concept art of all of this, where they even asked about how people would respond if Maccas introduced all day breakfast. Really, I don't remember this at all. I, I, I did this this thing. I, I was on my opinions. It was like a it was one of their three hour surveys that was sent out by Maccas or by the company doing the survey for Maccas. Yeah. And I saw all the concept art that wound up being brought to fruition. I answered questions about all day breakfast, whether or not um, I would be prepared to pay a a slightly increased price for breakfast if it fell out of the regular breakfast hours happily uh yeah yeah of course me and everybody else i'm sure voted happily to do that because that's what they wound up doing 
um, what else was there? There, there was discussion about the the concept of a separate dining area about whether or not you wanted to be able to have your food brought to your table even right down to asking about the chips being served in those little metal baskets hmm. which i don't see very often anymore which is sad it depends on which maccas you go to i think but yeah, yeah i i distinctly recall all of this I even remember the fact that because it was an extra long survey, they not only accrued, you know, so many points for me on my My Opinions account, they also sent me out a $30 Woolworths voucher. Wow. Well, good effort for sticking in there. I'm really glad I did because I like to be able to think that I contributed to the opinion of what has shaped how McDonald's approaches its business in Australia. As someone that... that goes there from time to time and someone that has always loved going there for breakfast. Yeah. It is it is awesome. And and it's such it's such a good step for that business. It feels like businesses are starting to get a little bit smarter in general. Mm. And a little more attuned to people. Yeah, it's true. It's it's no longer just about you yeah. know let's I mean, hope I that s- people like it. It's it's now yeah. let's try and get the people on board. Yeah. I, I mean, I say that, and yet KFC still haven't brought back my nacho cheese roller. Where is it? Well, I'm just disappointed that McDonald's now make the food on, like, fresh. I'm completely against the idea that McDonald's makes my food fresh, because it takes about four seconds longer. Just make it an hour ago. I don't give a shit. It's artificial. What the hell does it matter if it's been sitting there? Just keep it hot. Like, the cheeseburger could have... Mm. Like, they used to have, like, stacks from sitting there, and you just grab one, and that's it. But now that they do it fresh, you have to stand there and wait. And it's like, can I just make my cheeseburger already? It's like, why the hell could it just be sitting there? Just grab it. Who cares if it's fresh or not? It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. They probably have to abide by some some laws with food. To be I don't fair. know. I don't think it's that. I just think they want to do it because it makes, it makes them look better if they make it fresh. But it's, it's the, the same it. crap, so who cares? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, at the end of the day, it's the same food. If um, if Morgan Spurlock comes back and pops the chips under a glass dome for 30 days, I'm mm. sure just like, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, in 30 days, those chips are going to look identical. Absolutely true. Uh, it's, was, it's, it, was, it, was it the chips that stayed intact? I think it was the chips that, that didn't change and something else went black. And yeah, the cheeseburger, if dunked in, uh, dunked in um, artificial stomach... Or a substitute for stomach acid, just to show what would happen. It went completely black. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make me feel very good and make me want to eat it. It just makes me put one not, not want to eat any sort of food. But the food, the movie Super Size Me made me crave McDonald's so much. And I remember sitting there in PE class and my teacher said, Oh, I'm going to put something on that's going to make you not want Maccas for the rest of your life. And the whole time I watched it, even when he was throwing up, I just was salivating. And I was like, you know what? If he's not going to eat it, I want to finish off the food. Like, I was so hungry for McDonald's, and it's not fair that they put me through that. It was just torture. I will never forget the day we arrived in Vancouver nine years ago on the rugby tour. The first thing we did, we got into Gastown off the the bus from the airport, went out to get lunch, found a food court, went straight up to Macca's, <laughs> ordered my McNugget value meal... I got like 10 or 20 nuggets or something. And of course, 
they asked me if I wanted the supersize. And you said? Oh, yes. You have to say yes. Just like the movie. And, and it's funny how they put it on their, on their boards. They have the small, regular, large, and supersize is actually on the board, but they call it extra large. Mm. But, but they, they just, they asked, like, oh, do you want to supersize? They probably worked out that we were tourists and thought it would yeah. be funny to say it. And I've gone, yeah, of course, right? You know? And they present me with this cup that I, I've never seen a McDonald's cup that big. It looked like, it looked like, like a gag prop cup, you know? It's like a big gulp from 7-Eleven in the US. Yeah. It's a massive whopper yeah. of a chalice. It was laughable. And then the thing that really hit me was the chips. It was one of... Okay, so our large chips here, it was one of those boxes, but twice as long. <laughs> and, I, and, and I don't mean the current large chips box. I mean the large chips box 10 years ago because the, the, the chip boxes have shrunk a little bit in the last yep. few years. Just like our Domino's pizza boxes have shrunk. They have. Yeah. And that's before so, they made the... New Yorker style. The New Yorker, yeah. Yeah, but it it was nuts. I couldn't even finish it all. It was just ridiculous. It's fantastic. Well, in the US now, you just get two burgers with your meal. Because one's not enough. That's disgusting. That's phenomenal. I love it. It's terrific. So they do that with the Big Mac as well? I don't know. Well, when I got the cheeseburger meal, I'd always get a uh, large cheeseburger meal. And just, you don't ask. It just... it just comes with two burgers you just can't get it with one same cost yeah is the big mac still big over there no i think it's the same as ours it it was it's the son of mac is a big mac so same issue everyone has the same issue with the big mac in the world it's the same problem everywhere yeah yeah even in india where it's the maharaja burger that is phenomenal i did not know that which is the chicken big mac because obviously oh naturally no naturally yeah yeah so yeah that's their big mac the maharaja burger and it's just the chicken big mac i wonder that's why we got the chicken big mac over here um well it is that time of the episode where we say uh don't forget to leave your comments on anything that we've said on the <laughs> facebook page because of course you do every single week um of course if you are a guest on if you are on the facebook page and would like to be on the show just leave us a comment letting us know that you want to do that and we'll try and tear it up with you. Of course, if you are a guest on the show, it means that you quite possibly get to become this category winner for the week and potentially of the year. But as we know, for last year, it didn't happen because, thank Christ, it did not. Um, it <laughs> is time for this, this week's Sick Kent of the Week. Indeed it is. Andrew, who did we decide? It's, it's just Drew. It's not Andrew. I didn't say Andrew. You said Andrew. <laughs> Who is this week's sick Kent of the week? Uh, James McPhee. <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Who is this week's sick Kent of the week? Um, you know what? There's only one suitable option this week, and it is Flatpak Pioneer Ingvar Kamprad. Mr. Ikea. I-K-E-A, you are this week's sick kid of the week, and I completely agree. I don't think it could go to anyone else this week. Um, no. Yep, revolutionized the flat pack world and the furniture world, and it, he, he completely changed and dominated 
and dominates the furniture uh, world. Um, yeah, he absolutely deserves it. Here's this week's Sit Kent of the Week. Well done, Drew. Very good. Except for that comment Thank beforehand. What, what, what comment? The one about... <laughs> that you can't bastard. even say his name. I don't want to say his name. He's not on the show yet. Audience members, get ready. Because it's coming back. He will, he will be returning in a few weeks. Time. I'm less interested this time than I was last time. We are very excited. What do you mean we are? Well, I am, and I'm sure he is. That's a we. Come on, you you know you're looking forward. No, to it I'm a not. Bit. I'm not looking forward to it, especially after the oh, the hostility shown after he did not get sick sick kent of the year. Oh, I could feel the anger through that message on Facebook. <laughs> the messages message were him. brilliant. <laughs> he not impressed. He wasn't impressed. Oh well. I wonder. I wonder what what B grade character he'll choose to call you next time. Oh, arsehole or just something generic. I don't know. We'll see what like, that we- guy says. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, back to it with another. As we wrap out, uh, wrap up the show. This is another tune from DJ Quads, of course, because we've uh, used up the three listens to the one beforehand, and you would have heard it at the start of it. I haven't picked it yet, but you'll hear it uh, to take us back out again. DJ Quads. Ah, uh, yes, Drew. Another week of uh, Kent and the steering team done and dusted. Uh, yep. Everyone enjoy your Thursday. And Tara, everyone. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. Yep.